Hey you, welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that analyzes and roasts your favorite horror movies. I'm Rachel. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Mary. And today we're talking about one of the classics from our generation, a staple, if you will. Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those creepers? Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those eyes? That's right. We're talking 2001 Jeepers Creepers. Now, I don't know, I don't know about y'all, but when I was a little kid, I was glad I did not. Well, not a little kid, like 11 years old, but I was so glad I did not see this until I was like well into like 18, 19 years old. Yeah, I, I watched it this weekend, so it would have scared me when I was time? a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I think, yeah, if I were much younger, it, so when I was younger, this was the kind of movie that was like, that I could point to and be like, that's why I don't watch horror movies. Yeah. And then now I'm in my 30s and I watch them for like a living. And I still feel like I can point to this movie and be like, that's why I didn't used to watch horror movies. Yeah, but not for the same reasons. Nope, completely <laughs> different reasons. And I'm same. not going to lie, there were a couple of moments where, you know, there was a jump scare and I jumped because something popped up on screen but um yes so about that i want to give a disclaimer um i watched this movie for the first time with my boyfriend chase who uh is the most precious doll baby and he does not really do horror movies and for that reason i fucking love watching horror movies with him because he is the person with the extreme reaction in theater you know like, that's why you go to a theater to watch, for me, scary movies, yeah, is to, yeah. like, hear the audience interact. And he hates the jump scares because, y'all, I just need to give a disclaimer because his hot takes are so funny that I'm going to have to share them with you at some point during this recording. And he when he jumps, it's like he's on a marionette and the puppeteer yanked all of his limb strings at the same time. It, he that not only, though. like, jumps his whole body, but his arms and legs go out and everything. Yeah, it like, is, a, like a Muppet. Yes, you're, you're I dating lose Kerm- my shit every you're, time. You're dating Kermit the Frog with a better haircut. Actually, his hair right now is not great because so he cut dating, it himself. <laughs> girl, you're dating Kermit the Frog with a shitty haircut? No, he's so hot, for real. He just jumps like Kermit the Frog. I mean, I've seen him. I know. I just... That's, <laughs> Does he flail when you, his when arms you like Kermit? describe this, That's what I'm saying. When you describe this jump, that's what I'm seeing is Kermit going like... Wah! It's it's Kermit, but with like a J. Crew model's head. That's the and worst. body. That's the worst but thing I've ever fucking acting heard. Like, <laughs> but acting like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> wow, now I'm really terrified. No, he's so hot though, for real. He just has real really extreme is, reactions, though. and it is, it, it just brings me so much joy. Like I did not enjoy this movie, but I did enjoy watching him not enjoy this movie. <laughs> I actually am so much. The movie was whatever the fuck. I'm very disturbed by the image of a, <laughs> of a, of a Kermit puppet trying to support a human head. <laughs> Okay, speaking of disturbing, for our icebreaker question, I asked what song would you whistle if you had to pick a corny pop song from the 50s or 60s to indicate to a horror movie cast that you were fixing to kill them? Obviously, Mr. Sandman. Smart. 
Smart. So smart. However, almost any somewhat slow song from the 50, love song from the 50s and 60s would also work. Mm-hmm. 16 Candles. Like, look at those lyrics. I mean, any slow beat love song in the right context. I've got it. They're all I've got borderline it. stalkery. You know? I've got yes, it. Yes. I, I only have eyes for you. The flamingo. Perfect. Yes. yes. That, the, what's really scary about that isn't even the words. It's the, like, she bought him up. That, that for mm. some reason, that's the scary part to me. It's good. It's good. I, it, I just went real silly and picked that glow worm song. Glow, Which one? glow worm, glamour, glamour. It's just so off the rails that I thought it worked. And I feel like this is coming up in horror movies more often yeah. because I thought, like, they, they did it in The Strangers, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, Mama Tried is in that one. Yeah. And then in Get Out, they play that Run Rabbit song when they're kidnapping Lakeith Stanfield. Mm-hmm. Even in, um, I don't remember if it was Annabelle or The Conjuring, but it was in that same... Mm-hmm. Um, universe the world, when they yeah. go in it's like and what was that weird song that he did I have no idea based on what I just heard from you so I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember either but it, it happens he, a lot he was that he, was that, he, look, he looked like fucking weird Al Yankovic kind of hair and he was like saying like this like, you're talking about Tommy um, oh, uh, Tiny Tim he's saying tiptoe through the tulips tiptoe through the tulips <laughs> Yeah, so he he, had, he was famous for performing the song. He was he was massively tall, and he had this. Uh, he played on ukulele, and he sang in this like mm-hmm. really in, like kind of intense falsetto. He actually got married on the Johnny Carson show, I think. Interesting. Interesting character. Yeah, I feel like all those songs sound so innocuous, and then they are being repurposed now yeah. to be. Yeah, ominous. you're in like that weird shadow world when she like goes and is like fighting with these like demons hiding their like child in there yeah and, and you just hear that song the they fuck? do it a lot in um you were never really here yeah because I, they're dealing with I that the exploitation that, that of children that, like yeah but yeah i don't remember which one it was but it was it's disturbing mm-hmm. but yeah good picks well, and, and, y'all uh, black mirror right in the uh the the, the 10 million credits episode that song that she sings to try and like earn her way out of this horrible servitude ends up becoming a thematic song like throughout the series. They've used that song in other moments. A little creepy Easter egg, considering that technically all those stories don't take place in the same world. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. One yeah. more. One more. Okay, go. <laughs> One more. Imagine like a, a, like a slow down version in a cavern in a canyon excavating for a mine lived a miner i don't 49 i don't want to think about his that daughter that just sounds like the that could be a, for that outer could dark be like a bloody <laughs> mary a horror film yeah i'm it's like a rob zombie film yeah. <laughs> yeah um clementine but, dude dude no thank you um so rachel can you tell us about this creature? Because I wanted to start there before I go off about this movie. Off I wanted the to see. fuck, yes. Let's hear about off this critter. Spelled A-W-F. Let's, let's, so I, what is he? What is this guy? 
I have to um, give a shout out to the creator of Lore Podcast, um, Aaron mm-hmm. Mankey, because he mm-hmm. was the one. Love that podcast. It was so his, much. Yes, so good. It was an episode on that when I it blew, it was my actually my favorite episode on Lore um, when he was talking about this creature that's just like the one in this movie that's been seen for hundreds of thousands of years. You've seen it documented in like on all like on walls and like in like primitive artwork the um who was it like lewis and clark went and they visited these giant murals and they're like there's no way these prim you know you know the assholes that they were no way these primitive people could have painted these because they were so descriptive Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. and and then it keeps going um and it always depicts this bird-like people who devours man. Mm-hmm. And it goes throughout time, even as far as, like, you know, documented back in, like, Maryland in the early 1900s, even in back in Maryland also in the 1930s. And he tells the story, in the one in particular detail, of this town in Maryland where there was all these different sightings of this large man who, it was, like, part man, part, Bird, and he had these large leathery wings, and he had this horn, kind of like a beak, but he also had this weird light. Mm. And the creepiest part I'll never forget is that um, three specific sightings that went into stories of how they found them, and one of them saw him out on like a utility pole, and he like slowly crawled down, upside down like a bat hate that just decided to superimpose over it night on bald mountain from fantasia so what i'm hearing though is that this person actually saw batman and instead of being like can i get your autograph let's hang out they were like eek and ran away yeah right they've even seen it the the one that he gave from the early 1900s one of the huntsmen was seen being picked up by it and carried off because it was ju- it's it's huge and carried off into the hills and in this the one from the 1930s um i'm just paraphrasing here I, yeah I, I, we don't have time for all the details um this has given the it, creature clout for me so yes he it, it they tried to chase it off they tried shooting it one guy shot it three times with a shotgun didn't do nothing and later like the on cat lady Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and then he flew off into these mines that were abandoned, and they ran out. The whole townspeople were like, "Fuck this!" Ran out with a bunch of guns to shoot him, and then like two of them flew out and they flew away. And I was like, "Don't like that, aliens." So, uh, did they have a name for this creature? Um, th- they're all different. Like okay. he he described that it. it it goes all over all different parts of the world. Um, Native Americans back in more ancient times, but then um, more modern, closer to modern, I guess. Um, even Iranian culture, Egyptian mm-hmm. culture, all over the world. Okay, because all it, different names. It sounds like it has some similarities to um, the Mothman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I don't really know a whole lot about that. I know that is slated to happen probably on our christmas episode because Mm -hmm. it 
that movie happens during Christmas, but it seems like this creature is evil, just straight up evil mm -hmm. survival. Mm -hmm. um, but the Mothman is like neutral. Like yeah. you just prophecy, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Do it, whatever you want. Well, it makes... Um, Sorry. So, no, it's okay. Um, so my question is, this cre creature doesn't have a name. The song Jeepers Creepers, um, the version played in the movie is not the first one. It was a jazz standard, and Jeepers Creepers was a euphemism for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So oh. I know yeah. that this is a deep cut, and the movie does not deserve this much credit, but oh. also... Um, why would you pick that song for this monster? That was my exact thing in Autopsy of Jane Doe, remember? Where I was like, yeah. why throughout all of history, if she is woman eternal, what what the hell is this song? Like, this is just like her jam? What? Right. Because they say, where'd you get those peepers? And he's stealing their eyes. I thought the peepers were the eyes. But that's just for Derry then. Is it just his harbinger? Well, yeah. I'm well, asking. Well, no, I think it I might be. I don't think it is. I think it's because I think it's any of his creatures. Well, no, I think you're right. I don't. I wouldn't give the movie that much credit. I think it was just you. You can't. You can't discern too much because we only get so much. Right. Yeah. I wanted to know about the lore, and I was like, maybe she'll know more about the convention than I picked up because you know but that's then, my. But that's at the kind same time, when thing. you think when you think about this creature, when he was saying, I think it does tie into the lore because in the movie it said. He um, eats the eyes so he can see. He eats the lungs so he can breathe. Mm -hmm. He's a he's a Frankenstein, and so where so I think the song kind of makes sense. And he's like, "Where'd you get those peepers? Oh, I got them from my last victim because I need them." Yeah, but so Giselle tells Derry he he's he eats the lungs for to breathe. He eats the eyes. Um, I'm thinking she has a number of kind of prophecies that she gets. And she is just warning Derry of this one creature coming after his eyes specifically. Yeah, That's the only way the song makes sense to me. I thought about that, and then later I was like, wait. It seemed like in the moment, in the final moments of the movie, it seemed like the creature was deciding who to take and why. Like, mm -hmm. he was checking everybody out, giving everybody a good sniff, and then just like, no, I don't like this one. Mm -hmm. So... He was he looking just for eyes and just needed to find the right set. Was he looking for a person? I I, don't I mean that's the even... thing, right? Like we don't have any convention or victim no. selection. We have no mo, and once for that he, reason, it's not really scary. Yeah. Once he gets a scent, he won't let go. Is the scent the person? And then he has to figure out what part he's eating. Is it the organ? And then he has to figure out which person smells that. I'm good just to saying, him. if Justin Long had done his fucking laundry and not been a titty baby. He might have survived. If Justin Long had done a lot of things differently. Also, Listen. also it's, <laughs> I, if it's Justin Long, how is the thing he wanted Justin Long's eyes and not his voice? The man has a compelling voice. Let's be real. Like, there's a yeah, reason. that's why he's on so much, like, like animated movies. That's, there's a reason he is, like, the Apple guy. Remember those commercials where there was, like, mm -hmm. the Dell guy no. and the Apple guy? Oh, yeah, there were these commercials, the Apple commercials oh, way back. Oh, yes, mm -hmm. I forgot. He was like, I'm Adele, I'm an Apple. Yeah, I'm an Apple. Yeah. So oh, I'm going to add that to my list when we get there. But um, I, I really like that you said that because, Mary, about the, the organs specifically, because we saw him 
Um, because first, let me back up. When Giselle was saying, you don't understand. It's not like I can see everything. It's like mm-hmm. bits and parts of a movie. You don't see the whole thing, just certain parts. So the only so it would make sense to her that she only saw the parts where he had his eyes taken out and she doesn't know anything else. So mm-hmm. she's going to harp on that. Yeah, look, that makes sense to me. Giselle but, is not my issue with this movie. Yeah. Like, Giselle she's was the, the least part of that I would watch the whole movie about. Like, For she no. was the most interesting character yeah. <laughs> by far. Yeah. Right, but yeah. the point being that we don't know what else is happening because she doesn't. she also doesn't know. She only saw the part where he's screaming in the end with his eyes out. But I think right. the part that you said, Mary, makes a lot of sense because when he found that cop head and he was, like, sniffing the shit out of it, he was sniffing the mouth and then took out the tongue. So mm-hmm. I think that would make sense that he's sniffing out and then gets really attracted to the certain organ. I, I can buy that. I and I have to tell you, I have to share with you <laughs> one of Chase's hot takes because, as y'all know, Trish finally comes to her senses and tries to run over the creature and he runs over the car and then he runs over the car again which led me to believe that he was played by Steven Seagal because who else can do a middle split between two Mack trucks to Inya <laughs> Doug uh, Jones. except for Doug the Jones. creature he, this is not Doug Jones I'm saying he could have done it but this is not a good enough movie for Doug Jones in my opinion this creature is played by Steven Seagal, based Wait. on just that part. Oh, okay. I was like, "Wait, not know. actually!" Oh my god. No. <laughs> Are you talking about the scene where Trish runs him over multiple times? Yeah. So then she runs over, runs him over, and then he his bat wing comes out of his back, and Chase is just staring at the screen, horrified. And then it's like he something dawns in his face, and he looks at me, and he goes, "But whose wings did he eat?" <laughs> I told you he's a precious doll baby. And as I was writing these hot takes down, I was like, you are not supposed to be funnier than me. You're supposed to be hot. I'm supposed to be funny. That was like, that's like, like one of Ellen's like number one rule I heard like on her show was like, yeah, don't be funnier than the host. Like, are you going to get fired? I know. He was like, are you going to quote me again? I love that. And I was like, yeah, probably because you're Fucking making me die over here. And then also this movie was like low-key, super ridiculously funny. Because then the creature like started to inflate himself like fucking Roger Rabbit. He did. That's funny. <laughs> like he put his like thumb in his mouth started like... <laughs> Wait, you had some more stuff to say about Justin Long too, right? Besides that he Let was the Apple guy? First and foremost, listen. Okay. I'm listening. Justin long he is the unsung hero of our generation wow let me tell you why justin long was there for us when we didn't even know that we needed him okay um first of all he gave us this he was he gave us he was the guy in galaxy quest god love him he was in other greats, like going doing his dorky, cute, God, we love him. And like Dodgeball, Accepted. He was like the king of the dorks. And, you know, we were like dorky and we needed that, like, you know, validation. And then he goes back to horror, gave us Drag Me to Hell, which fucked me up. He waited 
to get back to horror, so we were ready. Which dragged me to hell. And then he went back, did some more dorky, cute stuff, like Mary mentioned, Dell commercials, loved it, kept me going. And then he dropped, well, not he dropped, but he was in one of the most important movies, probably of my life, because I needed it when it came out. He's just not that into you. Some of y'all did not see that movie at your most vulnerable state, and it shows. And then this boy brought us back to horror with this most grotesque, horrific mm, one yet, okay. Tusk. Of so every... in the immortal words of Kanye West, I'm going to let you finish, but... <laughs> <laughs> the only movie you have just mentioned that I think is like actually a big fucking deal is Tusk. Well, that's the whole point, that he's like the unsung hero, is that he was... He was never a big deal. He was always just kind of on the sidelines. But then as I was watching this, I kind of was like, you know what? He's always been in my life. And I never appreciated him before until now. I did like his role in He's Just Not That Into You because he was the sweet one who, like, gave it to you straight anyway, which I appreciated. But he he's not the unsung hero of our generation, I don't think. But I, like I said, I will let you finish. He is like that friend of yours you never noticed who was so supportive because you were always focused on the ones who were the big heroes, the loud, loud, but the ones who were more obvious, strong heroes. He was like the, the, like Ron Weasley. Or the Neville Longbottom. Why would you want the Ron Weasley? I'm not, I'm not saying that you do. No, you want the Hermione. That's what you want, but sometimes you Or have, maybe the Weasley su- brother who fought dragons. That's hot. See, that's, At see, bare that's minimum, the, I mean, one trained him. One of the funny twins. Yes. No, I get confused. Like, and... He's not Beyonce. He's not even like. I feel I like know. Kelly Rowland is the unsung hero of our generation. But see, we If we're going that. with this Kanye West he metaphor. He's more like Neville Longbottom in the way that he is part of our support system that we never. Truly appreciate. I think we just need to steer clear of the Harry Potter me- metaphor. I think that's what's fucking us up. Because first of all, Neville Longbottom is the actual chosen one. Neville right. Longbottom is acknowledged as like the like actual he hero. Like, the and I'm hero. trying to make you. I'm trying to convince you that he is that he he's the one, guys. He is the one. He is the Dell computer. Right, but if he were Neville Longbottom, he wouldn't have. <laughs> okay, first of all, you've got the commercials exactly backwards, and those commercials he was an Apple product. And that's why he was cool and hot and young. Uh, secondly, okay, I don't want this to be the hill I die on. <laughs> secondly, if if you have to convince us that he should be the hero, then he's not Neville Longbottom. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't, I don't have any issue with Justin Long. I really enjoy. Anytime I see him in something, I'm like, oh, this will be fun. Remember when he was a new girl? Yeah, he was great in that. And they made that musical. That was fun. <laughs> Do we start um. dying the moment we are born? <laughs> I've been see- singing that little madrigal to myself a lot lately. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so I think we are in disagreement about whether the movie holds up. I... Well, Rachel, real quick, don't think, just answer. Did this movie hold up? No. Okay. Maybe we but are I will. I will 
I think it's a I think it's a really difficult question to ask. You asked it. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, not to ask like but to to give just a, a plain answer, yes oh, or no. Yes. It's always no. more that's what I yeah, meant. I it's think always it's more a difficult question to answer. I mean. It definitely has some stuff that works. I mean, there were some real cool camera shot, like camera work that I appreciated. If look, if we can give Evil Dead a pass for its camera work, this should be allowed the same grace. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm not. Like I'm when not he's say- in the basement and he bends down to tie his shoe and he puts the flashlight under his mm-hmm. arm and then you see that what the fuck behind him. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Whenever you see the the light going through the cat lady, mm-hmm. that's good. Well, the thing Don't is, you know, like in, when we talk about Evil Dead, it's not even that the movie holds up. It's that we see these 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 shots or these effects or these these elements that were cool or that were innovative, and you know they the effect of a single shot may hold up, but a movie overall, a no, story may right. not. Right. I agree. Um, if, if not only for the reason that we need to disclose that this director was a pedophile, convicted in 1988, this movie came out in 2001, that shit cannot stand, everyone stop giving money to pedophiles, Mary is a screenwriter director and she has never abused a child, give her your money! Yeah, that's always such a frustrating response when somebody tries to defend the work of somebody who is fucking terrible. Is the work good? No no one is saying that the work isn't good or it wasn't impactful or it didn't benefit people, the work itself. It's that there are tons of people who can make great and beautiful and brilliant and beneficial and industry-changing work that don't fucking hurt other people on purpose. Yes, yeah. speaking of people who hurt other people on purpose, the does it hold up of the police? Um, this is another hot take from Chase because he was so frustrated at the end of this movie. He said, I feel like the least realistic part of this movie is all the white people they're bringing into this jail. <laughs> and I just wanted to be like, for sure. never let society change you. <laughs> Um, it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Also, though, for real, though, there are a ton of tropes used in this movie that is just. It's it like makes your head spin. Mm-hmm. It's what? It makes your head spin. Especially- it is. And there's such red herrings. Like, they're so exactly. unimportant. Like, yeah. It's so just. The entire point of, of using a trope, like knowingly using the trope is to take advantage of that shorthand you have with the audience, right? Right. Yeah, you know, you see um you see the 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 dusty door and say where does that go when someone says don't worry about it and we all know what that means. We're going through the fucking door. Like but in this movie, it's like the thing happens and we're like, "Oh, okay, they're like incest." And I'm like, "Oh god, this is going to be a bunch of scary like it's like real scary, incestuous, like family or something chasing us down, or is he like well, a curse? Right, it starts with is... the driving on the road in the nice car. All the best movies start, or all of many horror movies start like that. You have Psycho, you have um, Night of the Living Dead, you have uh, what's the one that um, don't like The Shining, right? Like they're all mm-hmm. starting with driving on or the road, or even Christine, where the monster was the nice car. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Also, yeah, they so need they to be ashamed of the way they're like, treating okay, this So there are some car. expectations I have there. Now you can either meet them 
which is good, or subvert them, which is even better. Or you could do what these people did and just completely the fuck abandon the idea altogether, like never address the fact that you even brought it up and that it went nowhere. Like the even church? the whole, even all of the hillbillies. Yeah, like the fact that that was all happening at a church did that mean anything? No, especially if later you're gonna tell us that this is like a demon or something and he was just chilling in a church for a long time. Is that possible for him? Why is that possible? What is happening there? Oh no, nothing. Nothing is happening. He's just gonna burn it down thirty minutes into the movie and go about his merry way. Okay, like. There were just so many little moments like that that I was like, wait, what happened with that? And I was watching with my friend Marie, who was like, nope, you're not crazy. That just withered away. Like, it didn't happen. And she also commented on the jail. She was said that the most unrealistic thing for her was that there would be this many cops not firing their guns all at once. Yeah, that was another of Chase's hot takes. He looked at me after that scene when he when the Batman is like deciding who to take and then he busts out the window and he was like, nobody fired their fucking gun, defund the police. He was just like, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. And at it, doesn't, the time. it doesn't make any but sense. But it's also kind of true. It, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it any does sense make considering any sense. that the, the, the cops who were in the basement with him were firing on him. We heard it over the radio. Yeah. So why would the guys upstairs not... Dude, the same. They just ate your friend, dude. Exactly. Like, they have an even better idea of how dangerous this situation. Yeah. Um, and my least favorite trope of all time is that Giselle is the magical Negro. She just pops in, tries to warn everybody of their impending doom, and then. Yeah. That's well, it. That's yeah. her whole. That's it. And she's able to do that because of a literally magical ability she has yep like i it is very frustrating how however she is the one character that i would watch the whole movie about um because if this movie had been i mean i would happy to learn i would be happy to learn about the burden of having prophetic dreams like that because as you know i do not fuck with the fortune telling or the occult in any way um but I do think that that is probably a supreme burden to have, especially when people are like, you're crazy. Well, I'm trying to help you, bitch. Maybe I'm crazy or maybe you die in 15 minutes. Also, the the people who decided to tell each other, like, no, you're out of line. You're crazy. I was like, I swear to God, two minutes ago, you were saying exactly that. Like, one of them yeah. would be like, let's get out of here. And the other would be like, no, we have to handle it. Five minutes later... We gotta get out. No, we have to. But they just kept swapping back and forth. Yes. So by the like, end, I oh was like, gosh. I don't. When who, who are these characters even? Like, if you don't have an actual character, not a shallow character, but they're so inconsistent as to not have any shape so, at all, then you yes. can't even analyze the story because you don't know if the story makes sense because you don't know who any of the characters are. That and then my favorite line is when suddenly uh, Trish is convinced to go back to the tunnel. Because he says, what if it was you? Bitch, it is fixing to be you. <laughs> right. I feel like her response for a hot minute when she was saying, like, this is stupid, this is stupid, don't do this. And he says, what if it were you? I feel like, first of all, that's dumb. That's not what you ask her. You say, what if it were me? Right. Because who knows what she would want if this were happening to her. But if she tries to imagine walking away from yeah. you, that's very different. Secondly... Yeah. I have to imagine if she were the one in the tunnel, 
she would want the police there as quickly as possible. That's right. The decision yes. would be that much easier. Yeah, if it were me, you better get your ass to some civilization, get yep. out of these fields, and get to a place that has people, and help me. instead. And of, call Clarice Starling. Yeah, instead Just, of, exactly. Instead of slithering down here with me. Also, right. why did he look down? A murder tube reeking of rotting flesh and think the right move was dangle me by my converse, mm-hmm. you woman who weighs 100 pounds. And how did he get out? Oh, don't worry. That's not important. Okay. But then also, none of the argument, first of all, none of, even before he said, <laughs> None of the argument. That is exactly. <laughs> that's a direct quote from this movie. <laughs> but his whole argument made no sense. The the super. First of all, I don't. I can't believe this was two thousand one because that super extra moment of the car chase scene, and he is so. That whole scene was just so extra for me, but. He was so traumatized, and then they see the body thing get shooted down the tunnel, and they see it was a body wrapped in a sheet with yeah. rope with blood, um, and then that's traumatizing. And then they see that the person sees them see it, starts going after them again, gets like uh, drives them off the road. Three traumatizing moments for him, clearly freaking out, and he wants to turn around and go back to that guy's place. Uh uh-uh, uh, that just doesn't hold up. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. It really doesn't. No. He was more traumatized. She was the one being like, get out of the way. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Just get off the, you know? And he was the one, Aah! and he wants to go back. The moments at which these siblings chose to drive or stop their vehicle were the most nonsensical things I've ever seen in my fucking life. Like, you aren't on a road with no exit. You just have to keep driving faster than this person so that you get to a thing before they do. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't, like, out, like, you can't, like, outmaneuver them. It's not like you can hit the brakes, let them go past you and, like, scoot off on an exit or something. You just have to outrun them. So why do you keep stopping your fucking car all the time? Why? Why are why are you the way that you are? So whenever they stop were stopping and starting the car to go back to what you were saying before, um, I thought of the moment when on the office Jim knows that Dwight is about to get fired, and Pam asks him did you try your hardest to warn him? And Jim goes, I tried my pretty hardest. <laughs> That's what I thought of this whole movie. Because yeah, like, <laughs> it makes no sense. What ends up happening is that every beat is too long. Like they they try a thing yeah. and it doesn't work. And then they just keep boneheadedly trying the thing that didn't work. Or they try the thing. It may have worked. It may not have. But they wait around standing and staring at the murderous monster to see if it worked. Yes, and the dialogue to me was just not believable at all. Like even if they were saying that thing, no one would say it the way that they said it. I'm not criticizing the acting. I feel like the performances were fine except for um 
the sister acts with her hair, kind of like Hermione acts with her eyebrows in the first couple movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's just always slinging her hair around in a car. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, she I'm pretty sure she's related to Lana Del Rey on some level because they look the same. Um, they do. And the only part of the dialogue that I felt was authentic is when the police were talking because they had all that choppy cop talk. Where they were like, real piece of work, ma'am. Like, all of that, <laughs> little, you know. <laughs> You're referencing that Parks and Rec episode, real piece yes. of work. Yes. Real piece of real work. Real piece of work. But real they, the, work. the po- policemen actually, like, that was funny to me. And by that point yeah. in the movie, I was like. Even some of the stuff they said, funny. like, later they were describing this cop as, like, Cro-Magnon man or something. And I was like, are you dumb? That was a perfectly handsome man. What uh, are you oh, saying? Were, yeah, the one who gets decapitated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he goes from being, honestly, he goes from being, yeah, he kind of looks like a um, uh, a stripogram. Mm-hmm. Like, he was like, he did kind of look like a stripogram. Though. I know. He, he, he goes from being a sh- like a stripogram to Rod Serling. <laughs> he really does, because this movie is so all over the place, because he honestly sat there, and he portrayed like one of the moments in the Twilight Zone 1960s style so perfectly when suddenly like something hits the roof and he goes just like so nonchalantly goes the sky is falling you know how they would say in like the shows back in the black and white and they they would like they would be Twilight like making zone. a joke, but so nonchalantly, <laughs> and they just like don't even acknowledge it was just a joke because everyone just knows it was just a cute little joke. Yeah, and he just he was just he just became like Rod Serling. This movie it just it doesn't make sense to me. And then he gets it, and they have to cut cut off his head, make it look like a little piece of rubber from you get from Spencer store. Come I on just, now, and it doesn't. They this movie could have ended half a dozen fucking times if they had just been like hope that worked and started driving again. she runs over him once i get okay good job girl she runs over him twice that's good two for safety and now (laughs) you leave you ran over the thing twice maybe that didn't work but you know when it would be a good time to find that out 60 miles from now like just gun it get out of here if it takes him even 10 seconds to recuperate that's 10 seconds you have on him that you didn't have before why do you just keep running him over and over? And then when you are finally done running him over a dozen times, why did you stop the car to turn around and watch him come back to life? Why? Why do you keep staring at him mindlessly instead of driving away? At so many moments, they were just sitting in the car staring at him when they could have just been driving away. Like, do you... I I, I was... There were so many moments where I was like, I hope he wins. I hope the demon wins. He deserves it. He'd been out here. He is trying. Everyone else is so fucking stupid. <laughs> He's been out here. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. Uh, I need you to kill these people just for my, like, peace of mind. Out of all of these moments, these, like, so bad they're funny. The one for me that stood out the most. <sighs> It was the Thomas the Tank engine for me. Why is this demon bat thing 
driving this ridiculous <laughs> loud ass with a vanity plate. Fuck. He registered the tag. <laughs> Be eating you. And it's so loud. It's like Thomas the tank engine, like right before he finally decides to go to counseling for being a child actor and he's just on the loose, like on like steroids. I really can't get over this now that you've brought up that. That is a vanity plate. He had to go out of his way to get it. Like, the 23 he years... He line at the DMV. 23 years ago, when he... He only comes up every 23 years. 23 years ago, he was like, I know how I want to spend an entire day of my 23 days sojourn on Earth. I gotta let these hoes know. And he went to the DMV looking like that. Like, he was like, I'll just... I'll just put on a backpack so my wings aren't as noticeable. Also, I cannot believe he did not get pulled over for his registration being expired. I get pulled over if it's out of date for like <laughs> six days. Mm-hmm. Look where they are. Yeah, but he's also driving like a maniac. <laughs> Look where they are. I mean, I just he I. I really now I. When did watch, he learn to drive? Now I want to watch a whole movie about how that demon. Goes about, tries to go about his business, how he has to handle his logistics every 23 years so that when he comes up, he can like do his hunting. He's like, all right, uh, day 17, time to time to put a kibosh on the killing and, and you know, make sure that <laughs> my mortgage is paid up. <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, you, if a character does that once, you know, the first time they realize he is like something supernatural and shocking and they're just frozen in terror. Sure. When that happens to you every seven minutes for the entire movie, I'm actually okay with him taking you out because I don't want your jeans in the pool no more. For real. Weird staring ass little jeans. Oh my gosh, y'all. Can't drive stick fucking jeans. Oh God. I mean. I don't know. It's the hair for me. The hair of it scares you or makes you angry? More like offends me. Sorry. (laughs) Offends you? (laughs) The creature's hair. I know. Yeah, like this great long, like like wizard, also rocker hillbilly, white curly hair. I love the idea that every 23 years, he's like, oh, he makes it like every time he has such good intentions and he makes an appointment. And every year he gets so behind with his other housekeeping stuff that he has to cancel. So, like, every 23 years, he's, like, finally going to get his hair fixed. And he doesn't. So now it's just become this, like, this scary-ass Santa hair. And because, you know, he has to call. He's, like, standing in line at the DMV, and he has to call them and be like, hey, I'm so sorry to do this again. And they're like, we don't even know what you're talking about because the last time was 23 years ago and none of them worked there. Um, And he's like, yeah, oh, thank you for understanding. Okay, yeah. I'll pay the cancellation fee tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> when he's already back in hell you know like okay Mary Kay mentions here the thing that actually was scariest to me which is um, when uh, Giselle mentions Derry's tattoo oh. and they reveal it I was like no <laughs> it looks like he got it out of a gumball machine why did they even have to do that she gave enough descriptors to know it was him why add in this stupid, shitty tattoo that has zero meaning? Is that because his, like... Because she wanted to be like, you're fucking stupid, look at your belly. Is that... That's some, <laughs> that's, that's, me. that's some Friday the 13th Flash kind of shit. Like, that is bad. 
And the placement. The tattoo is bad enough. The placement. Why does it encircle his belly button so lovingly? Because that's the shape it was when he picked it off the wall, Mary. <laughs> In the, like, the little book. <laughs> I always thought, I just, I like to think he got it at a Shakey's as a kid. Like, you know, one of those, like, pizza places that also had an arcade for some reason. Yes. And, and he, he got he enough like, tickets. Please, can I have one more quarter? I need 75 cents to get my sticker. Yeah, so he was and like. And then it was never the sticker you wanted. It was never even any one of the stickers displayed. It was like a mushroom yeah. with glitter. He was, like, playing skee-ball all day. He finally got enough tickets to get his, like, his little tattoo, his press-on tattoo. And that's the one he got. And his buddies made so much fun of him that he just, like, took it all the way the other direction and overcommitted and ended up, like, actually tattooing this to his body. And that is the only backstory I will accept. I agree. Seconded. It's like a supervillain origin story in a Shakey's Pizza place. Love it. Yeah, that did freak me out. I was like, what? what? Whoa, whoa, why was this Why was this the choice? I, so I didn't get to say this earlier, but I am, I definitely identified the most with the cat lady. Mm-hmm. When she was like, go the fuck away. I don't have a phone. It doesn't matter if I'm lying. I already said no. Get off my property. Stop fucking with my cats. That's not my scarecrow. He's got to go too. I just, I'm like, one month of quarantine away from becoming the cat lady. Minus yeah, the she holds it down. Um, yeah. Rachel, did you? She doesn't play. Rachel, did you recognize her? That's Mrs. Peacock from Clue. Bitch. Yeah, yes, it is. Eileen Brennan. She's actually a comedic mastermind, and um, we we treasure any role we get to see her. But, in. but this, she um, yeah, you know the. Uh, it's also weird to me that the cat lady said like. That's not my scarecrow. But, uh, who, you think it's someone else's <laughs> scarecrow? You think somebody else's scarecrow? She emphasized the wrong part. Someone else's scarecrow was like, I fucking hate it here and stomped over to her yard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just jumped its ass up on a spike like, all right, new life. But this cat lady, she was the best part of this whole movie. That uh, whole scene was my favorite because not only does she openly admit to being like, yeah, fuck 12. She, they they don't belong here. Like I will I will lie to the cops. I will you mm-hmm. don't bring them around here. Keep they don't need to come around here. I got it, all my cats that I want. None your business. How many? I got a few. None your business. And I got my shotgun. Now go and leave me the fuck it's the alone. Wrong oh, there's a there's this other like weird ass scarecrow. Mm-mm, let's go. Let's get it right now. It's, it's the Ron Swanson. I have the cats. I have. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yes. Yes. Yes, Ron Swanson. But did you think that scene with her was scary? So this comes back to what I was saying before. Okay. It's a hard question to answer because of the way they did it. Well, no. I think if I saw this back in 2001, that scene would have scared me because all of the other times we've seen the creature, we can't really actually see him. Um, okay. and there's a lot of silhouettes and a lot of slow movements and they did some lighting really well. Yeah. So then when true. he does pick her up and okay, come on, we know that he's got her as soon as she's like not standing there and there's like shots being heard and no one screaming, just shots, silence, shot, silence. Um, and then you see her still, we know, we know, but it adds that effect. And then. 
back in 2001, he comes out and, like, you start to slowly see with the lighting of, like, the moonlight, like, this man that's been chasing them this whole time. Yeah. Back in 2001, yeah, I would have been scared about... I would have been scared from that. Mm-hmm. Was I scared now? Well, no. You know, a couple things that worked for me there were... Um, I was... That was the most, like, concern I had at any point in the movie. Because at this point, yeah, uh, Trish and Derry know what they're dealing with. She Mm -hmm. doesn't. So she has every reason to believe that, well, fuck it, these these soft-ass little cream cheese children don't know what they're doing, but I fucking do. Cream cheese? So she's going to go get her gun, and she's going to fucking handle this, and then they don't have to call the fucking cops, and they can get away from her. Um, And I was worried for her, because... I yeah. know. I already know at this point that that's not going to work. Um, right. I was excited at that moment, though, because Giselle on the phone said, did you see the cats yet? Mm-hmm. So I knew something was going to happen, yeah. but I wasn't sure what. And I didn't care if they lived or died at that moment no. anymore, but I was excited to see what would happen. Also, that's when we see his fucking rat teeth for the first time when yeah. he moves her yeah. aside. Mm-hmm. I That's immediately... what I'm saying, that you actually get to see right. the creature mm-hmm. up close for the first time. I immediately recognized, like, when she reappeared in the doorway, I was like, oh, yeah, that ain't right. That's what she did. And my my friend Marie was like, well, how, I mean, maybe it's her. Like, like, that's the whole point of the silhouette, right, that we can't tell. I was like, no, she's not that tall. Like, he's holding yeah. her. He has to be holding her up off the ground. She wasn't that tall before. And she was like, how can you even tell? I was like, I am a fellow short person. I'd like if she was this size in this doorway and now we're looking at roughly the same angle and she's in the other doorway but looks even taller. She is she is she has been lifted. And then also in that scene in the very beginning before we get to like the actual fear, sometimes the the dread can really mm-hmm. play here cuz the whole time it's from you know the perspective of uh Darian Trish and they're they're being stalked by this you know, inhuman creature. They can't get away from it. It's following them all over the place. And then the wind stops. And it has, like, this very dramatic effect. And this woman looks at them and says, is there someone else with you? And, ooh, if that that can, yeah. in the right circumstance, that could, like, because yeah. yeah. you're, you're kind of in their perspective throughout this yeah. movie. And imagine being in their shoes, and then she says that to you. Yo, I would have shat my pants. <laughs> the thing is, like, where's that kitty litter? <laughs> that would be where's that kitty litter is first of all the best thing anyone's ever said on this show. Secondly, um, that would be a reasonable response, which is why the characters don't do that. Right. Also, real quick, while we're talking about kitty litter, when I went home for Thanksgiving this past year, my cousin said that his water went out in the house. He lives with his dad, or did at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's my age. He's like a year and a half younger than me. He um, he went to the bathroom, and he said, I had already used the emergency flush. You know, like the mm-hmm. one in the bowl, right? It keeps going. He was like, so I had to go to the bathroom and I had to take a dump, and I didn't want to just leave it in the <gasps> toilet, so I no. shit in the cat box. That's That's just quick thinking. I mean, it is. And then his dad came in and he goes, we got to take the cat to the vet right now. (laughs) I I just wanted to say that there was a part that was pretty scary to me, which is when after Derry goes into the tunnel basement below the church 
inexplicably below the church. Um, when he opens up that burial shroud and that Indian man is dying, um, and then he dies, and then you see the the like the wound on his abdomen. That was freaky to me. I did not like that. Didn't like that at all. Not at all. Yeah, that basement scene really set me up for a whole different movie. I was like, cool. It did. Like, walls it did. of corpses, ceiling full of corpses, scary science experiment area, um, dying person who's clearly been operated upon. Like, all of this is real creepy. And at that mm-hmm. moment, if you'd asked me, like, where does this go? I would have thought the entire movie was going to be this dual story of Derry being trapped in this hell dungeon and trying to escape while Trish is up top trying to figure out how to... I, I would have guessed, like, maybe the first half of the movie, she's trying to get the authorities involved and they don't take her seriously. Mm-hmm. So after the midpoint, she is trying to get to him without going down the murder tunnel. She's trying to figure out the other way in or out to While retrieve he's him. he's being experimented on Buffalo Bill style. Right, yeah. Like, but like also the guy is, like the guy prisoners already, with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, like the guy already knows he's down there. So he's just playing cat and mouse with him because mm-hmm. he knows the guy's trapped. There's nothing... To do, and he, I guess, he enjoys the fear for whatever reason. I don't know that he's sadistic, and uh, well, he can smell the fear. Yeah, and I, I would that I was like, this movie will probably actually like scare the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. But then I actually watched. you're actually describing that Hugh Jackman movie, Prisoners. I haven't except, seen that one. Me either. And then Jake Gyllenhaal is Jezebel. Jezebel. <laughs> we we have oh yeah. <laughs> I was we like, gotta talk about that movie sometime. What? Okay. Yeah, I feel like the the storyline I was least interested in was the main one. Like I wanted to hear about how Giselle defeats the the mm-hmm. creeper guy. Like that's the story I wanted to see. Why? And then and that the the sister and brother were just like potential victims who didn't really matter because they were kind of stock characters anyway. Yeah, I was curious about if he comes back every twenty three years. No, like the vast majority of people who are like on the police force today would not have still been would not have been there when he last showed up. Right. But wouldn't this become urban? Le- wouldn't this become lore in this area? And they do mention the whole like serial killer mythology. Well, and they have the urban legend of the couple. Yeah, but I was like, man, wouldn't this be especially in this immediate area? Wouldn't it be more, more prominent or more developed? Or wouldn't there like isn't the interesting thing to do here have somebody on the police force who remembers the last time it happened? And the problem is nobody believes that guy because, you know, he's been here for 40 years and people are just waiting for him to retire. There's not been anybody here like that for 40 years. Yeah. And he's just, they're just waiting on him to retire. Um, They don't believe Giselle because, you know, she's actually being a prophet or whatever. Like, that was interesting to me that, like, this if this keeps happening, who are the people who know it's happening and how do they navigate that? And maybe these young people are just our point of entry to the story about this long... It's interesting that you bring up that plot sequence because that is kind of the topic of our next film. I did it! Listeners, dear listeners, um, we have done a few traditional horror films in a row now, none of which we really thought were scary. So up next, I want to do my second favorite film of all time after The Godfather, which is scary. It is the Coen Brothers adaptation of the Cormac McCarthy novel, No Country for Old Men. And if you don't think that's horror, you're wrong. If you want to fight me on it, don't bother. 
because there's no way you're ready for the vigilante beatdown I'll give you at slandering my beloved Western Noir Dismal Tide. <laughs> so if you want, you can sit that one out, or you can watch this movie starring my number one celebrity crush, Javier Bardem, and get the fuck on board. I'm excited. Oh, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I'm excited. I'm ready. Yay. All okay, right. I love you. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to tell a friend. Don't forget to hop on our Instagram, our Twitter. Um, tell us that we're, um, you know, arrogant bitches or whatever people say. Send that, us money. That, that thing people do to us on Buy Twitter. Buy my book. Yep. Bye. Bye, Mary Kay's book. Indeed. Love you. Bye. Love you. Love bye. you bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Do you like comic books? Do you like brothers? Do you like brothers talking about comic books? Then this is the podcast for you. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Will Hines and Kevin Hines, performers from the Upright Citizen Brigade Theater and actual brothers, talk about actual comic books they love, like Spider-Man, The Fantastic Four, and many more. If you prefer your podcast to be about fictional people talking about fictional books, this isn't it. But otherwise... Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Campfire.